All right, Locked On Cavs here on Spotify Green Room. I'm Chris. I just got hosed uh, at on the stock market. Manning, he's Evan. I only have one joke, and it's about other people's moms. Damerel, Evan, what's up, buddy? How are you? What stocks you buying? As a former AMC well, shareholder, I said broker. I said oh, stocks. That's an Animal Crossing thing. Gotcha. Yeah, I, um, I had a, I had a rough week on the stock market, my man. A very rough week. Well, I commend you for still playing. Um, I know people are upset that Nintendo had no updates. But, oh, um, I, I am included in that in that bunch. I want my I want a, I want a nice update. I'm sure they'll announce something. Nintendo announced stuff throughout the year at random. Um, I know Pokemon fans are upset too, but I'm good, man. Uh, I logged into Fortnite this morning, and Thanos is coming to the game officially, so oh I'll be God. set. I can play as Thanos, and. I can also play as Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty. That comes back on Monday. Uh, first two episodes of Dave are out. Good TV's back. Um, yeah, and Glenn it's also the fifth anniversary of the happiest day of my life. How are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm good. You know, well, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the five-year anniversary of the title, or do you want to start with uh, Gobert-Allen discussion? Um, let's save the best for last. Let's talk about the happiest day. So let's have the hard conversation first and the good vibes after that. Okay. So I'm going to just start off with like somewhat of a hot take. I would not be overreacting to last night if I'm the Cavs as an organization or if I'm, or if I'm thinking about the roster, I think there are, it is the, the easy joke is let's clown on Gobert, right? Like that is the easy, I think answer. And there are some, certainly some, I think flaws in his status as the best defensive player in the league. I think we underrate how important perimeter defense is um a lot of the time still I, I think that i don't know why that is but it is i also just think like there there are other reasons that that impact will bear that i think are beyond that like he's overrated or whatever and like i would i would i pay an exorbitant amount of money for jared allen uh no, no but, but i would pay like a good amount of money uh, for him. So, yeah, and I, I think there's, like, a number I've seen people throw out. There's, like, a cap. I think that's sort of fair. Judo, you can ask questions, uh, but we'll get to that stuff later. Uh, we'll do questions, general NBA questions later on. But I, I think, I, I think like, it just shows you something more also just as much like Quinn Snyder and um, yeah. with, with, like, you have to – playoff coaching is so much about, like – being malleable and having different looks, having different answers. And he, like, made no real defensive adjustments. Like, they trusted that scheme and put a Colbert out on a platter to, to be the sort of guy to take the brunt of everything there. And, like, that's not on Colbert. That, that's on Quinn Snyder as much as anyone else. No, I think Quinn Snyder's job should be on the hot. I don't think he should be fired outright. He led the Jazz to the best record in the league. Um, so, you know, that saves him a little bit of time, but it's been a few playoff disappointment after playoff disappointment. And it's just like Mike Budenholzer, like the regular season's great. Like you can be dominant in so many different ways, but the disparity between Tyron Lou and, um, Quinn Snyder, even Mike Budenholzer, like those are the, that, that is the reason why Ty is so successful in the playoffs is because, and he also, you know, is known as a coach who will play it's, he knows it's a seven game series. He doesn't really need to say like, let's rush to win four. He was down 2-0 in the first round against the Mavericks, down 2-0 against the Jazz in the second round. Um, May Lost Kawhi down. Leonard. Lost yeah. the best player in the series. Yeah, and he adapted by going small by putting Marcus Morris on Rudy Gobert. And I, I think a lot of it is Quinn Snyder not being adaptable, and he's so rigid to his scheme. And um, it's a coach that believes in his system too much instead of, you know, uh, adjusting his system. That's why David Blatt didn't work in Cleveland either because David Blatt fully believed 
his system was the way to go. And then LeBron punted that like two games into the season. Um, yeah, no, man, it's just, I think Quinn Snyder deserves some culpability. I also think the jazz inability to go small. I think like somebody pulled up the plus minus last night. It says like when they went small and put Derek favors at the five for them and they kind of tinkered and stinkered that like Joe Ingles at the four and everything. Um, they had a positive net rating. Then when Gobert was on the floor against the Clippers, like, they exposed him. There's that one possession. I can't give you like the exact moment, but more or less, um, they, it was either Reggie Jackson or Marcus Morris in a switch in a switch scenario, basically where one of them kicked out to the corner and that was Gobert's man, and Gobert stayed in the paint, and it was a wide open look for the Clippers, and it was an easy look for the Clippers, and it just reminded me a lot of in 2016 when the Cavs played the Pistons and Ty eventually made the adjustment where he put Kev, he they forced scenarios where Kevin Love was on Andre Drummond every single possession because he knew Drummond couldn't defend on the perimeter and Kevin got some of the easiest looks he's probably ever gotten. While yeah, I Cavaliers. Yeah, I, I will also add. I think I don't know if like Derek Favors is like the answer. Like I, I understand oh, no, like it's the, not, but the like because he was the he ability was, to go small. Yeah, but he was like barbecue chicken in this series as well, and that, that's the other yeah. thing. I I, th- I think the bigger thing for me is just like they don't like I. It's very hard to find these guys, but like the, the even if they had a Mikael Bridges type, like that was a little bit oh. above elevated on on the perimeter on defense. I think that just solved some of the issues. Yeah. Like they like they got like. John, what John Moran did carving up the paint against this team was like a precursor to a lot of what we saw with the Clippers, just and that, who had then had better shooters than Memphis, like in the series, oh, yeah. like that. That was such a big part of it. Um, I again, I also just think like there's there's a question about Snyder in terms of his ability to um, be malleable and, and all that, and I think that's fair. I think like also like look like the Gobert contract is crazy, like it is a lot oh, yeah. of money, and like he's going to be making like forty seven million dollars in like four years. Yeah, I was joking about Sam Presti, like how many firsts can Sam Presti get for taking out Rudy Gobert's contract, but yeah, Rudy Gobert's pretty dang good for his position and what he does and his skill set, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams lining up that want to say, you know what, let's play pay a traditional big man who is has been rendered useless in the playoffs, like I think the last four years, I want to say, let's, let's commit to paying him $30 million a year. Like I thought it was wild at the time, but like, you know, Never going to criticize a team or a player, I should say, for getting that bag. And I'm not going to weep for the billionaires that own these organizations. Like, I know people, for some reason, obsess about Colin Sexton contract. Like, I, I don't care. Okay, Evan, let's, let's, we're going to go, we're going to go one, we're going to, let's go one podcast. We're locked or green room session without talking about the Sexton extension. Let's stop baiting. It's, this. Stop, it's inevitable. Like Thanos and Fortnite. Um, oh my God. <laughs> but it, I just thought like, wow. I mean, yeah, Rudy Gobert is good. He's a three-time defensive player of the year. He cried when he didn't get an all-star, but eventually became an all-star. Like, I understand why you pay him so much money. He has a lot of market value, and he's got a good agent, too. So credit where that is as well. But, like, I would not pay a traditional big man. But to, like, pivot back to Jared Allen here, and like you said, yeah, I wouldn't let this, like, freak out, make the Cavs freak out here. But the Cavs do need, like, a fallback option if they were to get to this scenario, I don't think they will ever end up playing. Yeah, they, well, they, they they have they have a lot of steps to get there. Is the other thing about this? Like there are like seven or eight. There are like ten, twelve oh, yeah. steps removed from the Jazz. And I, I I think the bigger question I sort of have about the Jared Allen part of this is like it would not shock me if JB Bickerstaff is more like Quinn Snyder than Ty Lue and too rigid to a fault. I don't know how many wrinkles. And uh, we we haven't seen it. Uh, I, I, we haven't seen it. JB like, right, is willing we, to do weird stuff, though. Yeah. Okay. But but like, I don't know if JB is like the tactician level of like 
tie, and that is sort of like what elevates the very best coaches in the league. And I just don't know if he is that. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think defensively, like they, the the wrinkles they did were like we're going to play zone coming out of timeouts. Like they didn't exactly throw. I think like a lot of defensive wrinkles, and some of that is the season. Some of that is, there are injury reasons for that as well. Like obviously Jared Allen like wasn't there for training camp, all this stuff. But like I, I do think there are questions about JB in terms of how he's going to design a defense. Now again, this there is a big step between like let's just have a really good in season defense that can like get us to like play in tournament status, and then like there are several steps to get to the next level or to where the Jazz are now. But like mm-hmm. that that is a if you're looking at like Jared Allen. And I wrote about building building around him like Gobert, like a Capella, and then like wh- where that sort of goes. This is like the logical and sort of question you get to. And I, I think JB, I have question. I think there are questions about how JB would deploy in this unit, and then also make makes Isaac Okoro like the ultimate variable in this because he could has the potential oh, yeah. to be an except like a higher higher level defender on the perimeter than anyone Utah has. And it like, he could be like so good on defense that like it, it, it helps you in, in ways that just don't exist with Utah. Oh no, absolutely. And like, I guess that's my other counter argument is the jazz didn't really have the ability to go small because they have like no true reliable perimeter defensive rotation um, to kind of like prevent an absolute collapse. Because in turn, like if you take Gobert out of the equation, Utah's rim protection goes sideways too. So it's just a bit of a mess there as well. But, um, your point about JB is interesting. Like, yeah, he does try to do interesting things. Like, I know people were still up in arms about the KPJ as a point guard thing, and I think he's retrying that experiment a little bit um, with Isaac playing a little bit of a reserve point as well. But like you said, too, Isaac really is important to what the team is trying to build going forward. And really, because of this, just like exposing, like, if the Cavs do go small, like they're going to have to lean on Isaac Okoro a hell of a lot more, possibly as a small ball forward. He has the strength. I don't know if he has the size to do it, but I think it's going to take time as well. Like that's asking a lot out of a second year player, technically speaking, going into his second season to do, to take on that type of task. But at the same time, like, yeah, Isaac has the physical profile. I think if I remember correctly during his introductory presser, Kobe said they believe he has the ability to defend one through five. Um, it's either him or JB said that, but either way, um, yeah, no, Isaac's going to be super important. And I, like you said, I wouldn't freak out because Jared Allen is a pretty good commodity, but I don't know, man. Let's say like they do draft Evan Mobley. I mean, maybe Evan Mobley is a lot more versatile of a defender because he has shown some chops as a perimeter defender as well. Um, maybe you make Allen a little bit more expendable too. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting wrinkles here, um, but I think the argument to building based on what Portland's building or building based on what Utah's building, both of those arguments kind of got exposed and thrown into the grinder <laughs> these playoffs. And you say like, okay, yes, there's elements you can take from this, but you can't solely make that your composition for your team building. No, and and I think like it, it there you have to make sure you're rounding out your roster with it, you know, guys that can at least play defense like. Like I, again, like I, I, I know people get mad when you talk about like sex line stuff, but like that that's a legitimate concern. If you're building on a team for four years from now, like if you don't believe that they can hang defensively en- enough, like and, and or that I like personally don't. Well, and it's like that. It's like either it's you need to have someone that is at the level of Dame to sort of like elevate you beyond that, and then like if you don't, then oh, you like sort of yeah, have questions. The, 
Yeah, and well, like the, and sex, the, sex, and, sex and Garland are not going to be Dame, and that's that's that's, no, that's people can that's get pissy with us, but like whatever. But like, I remember Garland got those Steph comps because John Bayline said he was shooting from Nashville in California, which is you mean Garland? You mean you mean you mean Garland, Garland not Sexton? Yeah, I thought I said Garland. Well, either way. Um, at the same time, I think that's just an unfair and unrealistic expectation because Dame is arguably one of the best players at his position in he's the league. He's a top ten player. He's a top ten player in the he's league. He's a top ten mind. player in the league. Yeah, that no, that's what I was getting to. I was easing into that argument, but um, uh, yeah, I think that's just unfair and unrealistic because you and I are also the camp where if you look at Darius, you look at Colin. I don't think either of them necessarily. I don't know, like, in the grand scheme, like, right now, like, you couldn't say, like, they're a bona fide starter on all 30 teams in this league. So that's the other issue in the self. And, like, both of those players, like, well, and we'll just focus on Dame right now. Dame possesses such a strong, like, high offensive gravity that's so intense. Like, he's such a threat that he can counterbalance his deficiencies defensively as well. And, like, people can point out to, like, Colin being, like, one of the greatest scorers at his age, blah, 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 to the blue in the face. People can cherry-pick advanced stats because... Um, I think it was Cranges' site tweeted some stats about Colin Sexton, and people are all like, see, even advanced analytics say it. I'm like, yeah, no, it does, but it also sometimes does point out some of his deficiencies as well, and also just the team building composition to the Cavs, too. But, um, yeah, well, I, as ever, Twitter is like a, not a place to have like any like reasonable discussion. It is often just a very stupid oh, no, the, that the we, new we... argument is, Chris, is that you and I don't know basketball because did you play, did you play hoops at all? Yeah, I played pickup. Oh, did you actually play like in high school? I I played up until high school, but I'm a sh- I'm a, it was a short fat white kid who like played until my sophomore year, and then I f- was like, okay, like I'm I'm gonna play football because that's like I I was extremely overweight, but I yeah I played hoops for a long time. That was like my favorite. I, sport. I was I, it's my favorite sport to watch. It was my favorite sport to watch, but I was just never good enough to play. And you know, I went to a school where it was a predominantly white rural community in Northeast Ohio. Uh, Pit, 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 insert any name here but um at the same time like i didn't play but like that's the new counter argument is basically like it's just the real hoopers no argument versus like contingency versus like folks who appreciate watching the game and kind of study things and learn it from the outside and then you and i get our chops there i don't know i'm gonna get all hung up on stuff again but yeah okay back, well, well if, if, there's, if, if there's any twitter people who get mad at us who are like the former d1 athletes and like fuck otherwise like f off that's like like if you if you want to tell me like you, you played it if you want to play to like a level that's like above like okay i was like the 12th guy in high school or whatever like just whatever like again like this, this the idea that like hey, those we, are some we, of the sharpest basketball minds though is the 12th man no 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 but i'm saying like the people that are like take the 12th man thing are like that is like i know basketball because i was what it's just annoying it gets annoying oh it's They're, super annoying where people kind of i don't know like people discredit you okay we're done no basketball because you didn't play anyways um but if if we applied like logic to life that it was like you didn't play something at a highest level then you can't talk about it we literally could talk about nothing. Pretty like literally much, that yeah. lo- that logic is like absolutely go- gabagool. Um. Anyway. Um. What well, I still think that an Allen extension makes a ton of sense. I I oh, yeah. That my yeah I. If in four years, if in four years he wants, if in four years he wants thirty million dollars, and you're like, I don't know about that, then like let him walk then. But like I think for now it. It's it's it makes sense on kind of all fronts in my mind. Oh yeah, Evan, Evan. I just want to ask you real quick: Where do you find these arguments, like complaints about this? I just like don't care. I just don't pay attention. I guess. 
Oh, I just search certain terms. That's all. Why? It's, Why I mean, do you do this to yourself? Let's have a little therapy right now. Why do you do this to yourself? Um, because my haters are my motivation. You know what I'm saying? I forget. I think that's a Ryan Sheckler thing. <sighs> but um, I'm worried about you, buddy. I'm fine. I'm I'm chill. Uh, Thanos is coming to Fortnite. It's the fifth okay. year anniversary of the Cavs title. So let's let's talk about the title today. Um, Today's actually yeah. the day. I thought it was tomorrow, just because it nope. was Father's Day. But I'm an idiot and didn't realize Father's Day didn't fall on a number. It just falls on a certain day of June. That's right. So where were you watching the title? We'll talk about some more of this in the pod later this week. But um, yeah, where where were you watching the title at that time? So what, what's going on in your life? A funny story. Um, I was twenty. At the, yeah, it was my LeBron year, so I was 23 at the time. Um, my brother was 16, and um, my then-girlfriend was living downtown. So then we went to go watch the game with her, but she had bad anxiety about the crowds downtown. So we, like, were not in, like, the city proper. We were in Lakewood, and we went to the Lincoln Blizzard there. And it was, like, Mary and Joseph at the end. So I missed, like, the first half of the first quarter because my brother was under 21, and I wasn't old enough to be his parent. Um, no bar was letting us in because of it. So we wandered around. We ended up at the Melton Lakewood, and we watched the first half there. And then we went to PJ McIntyre's on Cam's Corner, and they didn't ID any of us. My brothers walked in. And I just remember how tense but exciting it was to be in, like, a huge group of people watching this happen. I remember when LeBron collapsed. I was convinced he broke his, broke his wrist, and I'm like, it's over. Like, we lost. Like, that's it. And um, I didn't believe it at first, but when the final buzzer rang and Mike Breen was saying, it's over, it's over, Cleveland is the city of champions once again, I was hugging random people. And then there's a video of my brother picking me up and then off the floor because I was crying. And it's just, it was surreal, man. It was, it's one of the happiest moments of my life because um, I was thinking just like about my friends and I in like high school and early college where the one LeBron first left, it was my junior going into my senior year of high school, I believe, 2010, correct? When he left for Miami? Uh, yes. So it was my junior year going into my senior year of high school. And um, you forge real fandom watching those Cavs teams because I watched like Semir Den, Samardo Samuels, Luke Heron Goatee. Ryan Hollins, ESPN analyst Ryan Hollins, played meaningful minutes for Cleveland, and um, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, and I just think back to that and, like, all the BS I went through with, like, being a fan of this team and thinking, like, I could have quit them at any time, but I stuck with it, and it was just cool to see them kind of go to the mountaintop and for once, like, Cleveland not be the butt of the joke for once, too. And... Um, I wrote about this for, I think, um, Forbes at the time. Like, LeBron made Cleveland cool again, too. Like, there's just so many things happened that year. Like, everything just kind of fell into place. And, like, I don't know. It's just really cool. And it's just a really awesome moment. The parade, uh, I think it was a few days later. The next day, I can't remember. It was all just a blur. Like, I hardly slept for a few days. I was just starting my new job at post-graduation during that, too. So, um, it was just a cool time. Um, that's where I was though, and 
I I still watch the last two minutes every now and then, and I still get like actual chills watching it happen, like live, like not live, but you know what I mean, like watching the last. Unfold. There's a str- I don't remember the exact time, but there's a last like stretch of the game that is just on the NBA YouTube page that is in there perpetuity, and like if you go watch it right now, it still remains like as tense as basketball as you can watch, like at oh, yeah. any time. It's kind of crazy. Hits that three to break the uh, tie was absolutely nuts. I lost yeah. my shit. Well, even and like then the, I found it when LeBron, I thought broke his wrist. Yeah. Well, and then even like, um, I think even like when that possession, like right after, right before, where he forced it, like he's just rushing, and you can tell he's rushing, and you can tell that like this, everyone, everyone on the court on both sides is just like absolutely exhausted, like just needs this game to just sort of end, and it's just like a battle of attrition. Like the end of that game is like not like the most like aesthetic basketball you've ever seen, but it is like oh no, these ugly. two these two sides are like literally going to grind each other down until like one of them turns into a nub. Um, that series, I so just like you, I graduated college in 2016. Um, I'd already started a job, but I had also like I'd been in Norway for most of that series. Oh yeah, I forgot you were even in like America for part of this. No, so like my dad had planned a trip for us to go visit family in Norway together and like go back to, to Norway and spend some time there. And like, he just, he just, I don't know if he wasn't thinking about it or like whatever, but like we were there for like a big chunk of the finals. And like, so we were flying out the day that Ali died. So like, I was in the Nashville airport uh, on my first, after my first flight to just before he had to very dumb to have to go to Cleveland to Nashville, to New York on a flight, really stupid. But, um, like was doing that, and then like all the final stuff is happening. All these dying, LeBron's talking about Ali. Like, um, th- th- there's just a lot going on at that time. And then like I'm in Norway, and I I remember like just staying up as much as I could to watch some of these games, like in the middle of the night. Um, or like the, the I remember waking up the day after because I just couldn't stay awake. Um, probably because I drank too much and was like watching and like seeing the 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 Draymond hit LeBron in the nuts, right? Like. It was just like a whole thing. It, 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 watching that game, I was watching that game at my parents' house um, with my dad on Father's Day, and it just remains something that is like watching that game is just etched into my brain. I remember like not like having to write a recap for Fear the Sword and not really feeling like I knew what I was writing about at that time. Um, Ryan Jordan, as you know, it's below LeBron split, splitting those free throws in the final minute is such an underrated aspect of the game. The second one barely rattled in. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like that dunk is the all time for me. Like, what if play? Like oh if, my if God. he like if he dunk if he puts down that dunk it is the it is the iconic moment of that finals I think like the do block is incredible. Asks, do you think Kyrie asks for a trade then and there because his mom <laughs> is taken away from by LeBron? I mean, dude, I don't even know. Like, there, it's just that that is so nuts. Um, like that series, and I, I just it's obviously just such a pivotal series in a lot of ways. But it, it will. I, I mean, there's just never no way that series in that moment is ever surpassed in my lifetime. Like, I think you and I both grew up when we were like. I think more hardcore fans, like I was more into the Cavs and the Browns, which made me like an anomaly. I think makes us anomalies in the city. Like, Oh, same. This like, was like a big, this was just a bigger deal I. to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was huge. And like, I don't know. Like, I texted all those friends. Like I grew up watching the Cavs with and stuff. And, like we couldn't believe it. It actually happened. We were well, watching I this g- team. We were watching this team six years ago, lose 26, 27 in a row. And they had to, like, barely beat the Clippers in overtime with, like, I think Antoine Jameson just carrying them to the dub. And then I'm, like, five, six years later, here they are winning a championship. It's just so surreal. Well, like, I remember, like, being in college, like, blogging about the team at Fansided at that time for at least the first 
two years of college maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, like working with Trevor McNaughty and like him and I like meeting up and like talking about, cause he was going to OU for grad school at the time. And like, we'd meet up and have dinner or go have beers and like, just be like, this team is ridiculously stupid. Or like, then we, uh, there was like an instance where, we were like talking about um uh i remember like him texting like finding out that chris grant got fired i was like in a psychology 101 class like and just chris grant gets fired and it's like oh this organization is just stupid like i remember going to a class where like i wasn't allowed to have my phone on and like trevor calling me real quick and being like hey spencer hall just got traded to the Cavs. i'm like all right you can write this up i'll take care of like an hour like it was just like a very weird time to cover that team like through the wall dang stuff happened like just like a bunch oh of really God. dumb stuff. I for dude, I was so angry when um because I firmly believed like the Cavs traded for Lou Aldang. I bought a Lou Aldang jersey. That's how much I believed in it. And they got Spencer. That's, that's the well, that's the second saddest jersey story I've heard aside from the family that besides I think about Isaiah a lot. Thomas There's a whole family of people in Isaiah matching Isaiah Thomas jerseys before that that season opener. Just to make like I hope those people like got a refund. Have seen a therapist about that, honestly. I mean, I still think I have the dang jersey somewhere because it's like a novelty item at this point. Um, it's like a, I mean, it's I, a conversation I a, piece. I have a friend who gave me an Andre Blatch Wizard jersey. See, that's kind of neat. Um. I have a thing for the number zero. I don't know if we talked about this. It's like I have a lot of number zero jerseys. Like I have a Russ one. I have a, a Blatch one. I have a Nick Young one. Mm. I have a Kevin Love one, obviously. I was, was waiting for you to say that one. But, um, yeah, it's just – it's such a – it's just weird to think. And it's already – well, like the other day I gagged because I'm like, I graduated high school 10 years ago. I was like, huh? and then – I'm like, wait a minute, it's been five years since the Cavs won the championship, too. And, like, it's just so surreal to think that it all happened the way that it did. And, like, it's special to LeBron, obviously, because it happened on Father's Day as well. And, like, you know how him being a dad is such a big deal to him, too. So, I don't know. It was just really cool. Um, Oh, now I remember my other argument, too. I'll get to in a second. But I don't think the Cavs will ever quite reach that apex again. And I but that's just like unfair to ask any franchise to hit that apex. Like that is just like oh, an all time. Sure. That that is an all time finals. That just is an all time finals. Oh, for sure. Um, I know there's going to be plenty. Of, let's because let's be real. The Browns. I I feel fairly comfortable in saying that they could be in the Super Bowl this year. Like if, well, if, the, if the if the Browns win the Super Bowl, like I'm like that will be a bigger deal for the city as a whole. That's um, what I'm it, saying. Like some Cavs fans are going to be real bitter if the Browns win the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, yeah, I people but are people, I but people are like very bitter about people. People are very bitter about stuff like that, and I I sort of understand why. I also just think like just just focus on your own happiness. It's just basketball. Um, but at the same time, like, nothing will ever quite take away from the specialness of it, at least for me. Like, yeah, I'll be super stoked if the Browns win the Super Bowl. Like, it'll be a great moment. I hope I'm downtown if the Browns win the Super Bowl. Um, the city the city of Cleveland may cease to exist, and they have to rebuild it from the ashes if the Browns win the Super Bowl. Ken but, Carmen's – we'll have to, like, build a Ken Carmen statue of him, like, chugging a tall boy to, like, really commemorate no, it. No, Ken Carmen will just become the new king of Cleveland. Like, Frank Jackson will just resign on the spot, and Cleveland will become a monarchy. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, you probably be better off. Anyway. Um, yeah, we would, but – Yeah, moving on, moving on before I just say something silly. I remember I was so mad because I believed – because that big three, which it's f- funny to call it a big three, but that's what the Cavs viewed it as – of Spencer Hawes, Lou Aldang, and Kyrie Irving. Um, 
eight, the goal they, was like so they, explicitly eight seed. It was so funny. It was to get the eight seed, and they flirted with it. And I remember it because I was interning in Indiana at the time, and I couldn't get the Cavs because this is before like Bally Sports Go, then Fox Sports Go was a thing. So um, I had to watch it. I had to listen to it on the radio, and then I because you know I couldn't find an illegal stream of it. Um, but I just remember I was so mad because they're in Phoenix. It was like one of their last games of the season. Basically, they're like the Cavs need to win this game to stay in the playoff hunt. But if they lose, they're pretty much all but mathematic. Like the, a lot of things had to go their way at that point to make the playoffs and they lose, they lose in like overtime in like the most frustrating fashion possible. And I think Kyrie gets hurt too. So yeah. it's like a double whammy. And I'm like, fuck this team. I'm so angry. And then LeBron comes back. And I'm like, you know what, man, it's all is forgiven. Let's, let's do, let's do it. So yeah, I don't know, man. It's just weird to think where they were like, um, I'm going to call it failing upwards. The Cavs failed upwards when LeBron came back because holy cow, were they in dire straits before he did because it changed the, I mean, I don't know if Kevin Love would have come here and played. Oh, the, or not. I'm pretty sure the Kevin Love trade doesn't happen if LeBron isn't like actively sort of making it happen. Behind well, I guess that's true because when they hired David Blatt, David Blatt was under the impression that he'd be coaching a team of Kyrie Irving, Deion Waiters, Andrew Wiggins, Anthony Bennett, and Tristan Thompson. That's pretty much going to be Cleveland's starting five under Blatt, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, or Verge out the four with or Thompson at the four and Verge out the five. Who knows? But yeah, I, 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 I don't. I don't know if Bennett's getting a starting. I think you're rebuilding a first grow one, but. Um... Yeah, they would just there, there's a whole other all history that if LeBron doesn't come back at that point, that is just like really wild it's, to, to it's, think about. It's grim and dark, and you wonder like, do you think Dan sells it's the, the moves at that point? It's like, the it's the so DC, many, like, what ifs. It's the DC universe of uh of NBA franchises. Well, that's kind of mean, but um, Zach Snyder's like, Cleveland Cavaliers, the Snyder cut, the twenty, you uh, know. Yeah, still can't believe people are excited to watch that. Um, but Evan, let's uh, let's get towards the end here. If anyone has any questions, drop them below. We'll yeah. do a request to speak. We'll do a couple of those for another like five ten minutes, and we'll get out here. Cavs questions, draft questions, playoff takes, whatever you got, drop them below. Uh, Judah's gonna come up, and then at the very end, we'll do a, a tankathon spin and get out of here. All right, Judah's gonna come up. Uh, Judah, hey, what's, what's up, up, Judah? How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. How how are you guys? Doing good. Not too bad, man. How are you? Very doing? nervous for the lottery on Monday. I could tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Do uh do well do do something to relieve your stress. That is that is. Healthy. What's your question? Um. So this isn't about the Cavs. It's just like an NBA question. So yeah, the Thunder. Sure. I know you guys obviously know he that Kemba just got acquired. Do you think that they're gonna do what happened with like Chris Paul and like run him out so he gets value, or? Like, say they land, like, a top, like, the fourth pick or something, they keep him. Or if they get the one pick, what do they do? Like, what do you guys think? Uh, well, if they get one, they obviously take Cade. And I think then you figure out what they – you kind of figure out where you go. Um, trying to rehab Kemba's value might be my tough. Uh, I know the athletic report came out that Boston was really afraid about his knee being, like, a degenerative condition that they wouldn't get better. It's also come out that, like, him and Brad did not see eye-to-eye at all, and it was a huge um, part of why their locker room was in so much turmoil. Um, but at the same time, it's just really interesting to think. Um, 
what's going to happen. Like, if they get the fourth pick, I don't think you could package four and Kemba because that's a lot of money. Even though Kemba Walker is a better player than Al Horford, um, that's still a lot of money for a small point guard with a degenerative knee. Um, I don't think you can ask him to come off the bench at that point. It's hard because you already have Shea there. And in theory, like, if you had Cade Cunningham and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, like, that's a pretty dang good backcourt that the Thunder have. And then, I don't know. I think they maybe they're trying to try their best to flip Kemba. Maybe they just keep kicking the can down the line because somebody's starting to point out that Sam Presti's strategy is acquiring a bad contract that's perceived as bad, holding on to it for as long as possible, and getting a first-round pick for your troubles. And then you flip said contract for another bad contract because he flipped out Horford for Kemba Walker, which he then flipped Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul, who Chris Paul became Al Horford, I think, if I'm correct. No, it, those are unrelated. Chris Paul was traded to Phoenix, but um, Al Horford was the new acquisition. But um, either way, I don't know what the Thunder are going to do. I thought the trade was interesting. It makes sense. It seems right up Sam Presti's alley that he's going to grab a bad contract if it gets him a first round pick and it did um the thunder are clearly still rebuilding because uh like they have some interesting pieces they don't have enough to put them all together but um yeah one they take Cade four that's an interesting hypothetical but maybe if like you find a team that would take on Kemba I don't know I don't think the thunder well they also remember they must this they, year though they, well, they, I don't, that team, that team's timeline is extended beyond like any, unless they're real worried about Shea. I think that's like the only caveat there. But I think the two things I'll just add is number one, I think they're going to do whatever Kemba is sort of comfortable with. I think like they're going to work very hand in hand with him. I think it's, um, when you talk about, when you, when you, when you, you know, that's Al what they did with Horford. Well, they did that with they Chris just... Paul first. They did that with Chris Paul. It's, it's a, and it's uh, a very smart thing to do if you're that kind of organization. Secondly, I think the other thing I'll just say is, like, they, they also have a pretty good chance of getting the Rockets lottery pick. They're going to have the ammunition to do something if they want to do it. And I don't think it's yeah. – I don't know exactly what, like, they could get now when, like, for whatever or, like, what their sort of goal would be. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they're sort of active. All right, we have Andrew up here. Andrew, what's up, buddy? How are you doing? What's your take? Question. Uh, pretty good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Good. Yeah, man, I just really appreciate you guys uh, doing this uh, as uh, Arden Cavs fan, especially because I'm in Canada and there aren't that many Cavs fans up here. So it's really good to uh, get some uh, hometown material from you guys. There's there's more of Canadian Cavs fans than Justin Rowan. This is a you mean noted Warriors fan Justin Rowan. That's true. (laughs) Noted Raptors fan. That's my favorite bit is when people call Justin a Raptors fan. Um, But yeah, man, we're we're happy to do it. We, We love. It's a weird team. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day who actually like opened with telling me that they listened to the show. They're like, yeah, we appreciate it. I'm like, it's no big deal. They're just a goofy team at the end of the day. They are goofy, that's for sure. Um, I got a question for you guys about uh, the Kyrie Irving trade. Um, just, I was listening to the low post, and Brian Onehorse was talking about Colby Altman. And he was so mad and he actually eviscerated Kobe and it was so weird uh he was saying that you know when they were trading uh they're trading Kyrie and it came out that uh Isaiah Thomas's hip was just super bad and that Kobe Altman should have pressed Boston for more and he just said oh all right throw in a second pick and we're done you know after everything that happened after Boston was so excited that they were going to get Kyrie and that they could have pressed them for 
you know, maybe Tatum or, or Brown or just something because they, were, they weren't the all-NBA players that they are now. So I just wanted you guys to think about, like, go back to how you felt about that trade. And, you know, in hindsight, do you think it could have been better? Uh, what are your feelings now? I 100% think it could have been better. I, I, yeah. I think it's very clear that, like, when you think about it in retrospect, when you think about having Boston over Barrow like that, only getting a second round pick out of it, and, like, with Sexton being really the only thing that mattered in that trade for you, like, and Sexton is good. Like, let's be very clear about that. Colin Sexton is a very good player, like, better than a lot, a lot oftentimes a lot of the young guys you can get from getting picks and whatever. But, like, you, you traded Kyrie, and then, like, all this stuff happens, and regardless of, like, if he was going to sit out or not, whatever, like, the rumors are, like, you had all the leverage there, and I think only to get a second round pick isn't good. Like, I, I don't think that is, like, actually, like, good um, negotiating there. I mean, you, you again, you had you had all the leverage in the situation. I think it's weird to not, like, maximize it in that way when you have to, when you're trading Kyrie. Um, at the same time, I think, like, it is, I don't know if you're getting one of those. I, I think a, more picks is probably, like, what you're probably getting more than you're getting the young guys. Like, maybe Brown at that time was, like, in theory more gettable. But it just, I just remember, like, reading the leaks and it was all like, oh, Boston's not going to give up. Like, the Boston, like, really set the public terms of the agreement in a way the Cavs did not. And, like, that could be that, like, their front office had better media contacts and was yeah. kind of doing more outreach. It, it and helps like, that, that, that Danny that Ainge helped. is very friendly with the media. Well, and also, like, they, like, Zarin talks to people and stuff. And, like, they have, like, public personalities with, in relationships with people. And the Cavs just, like, operate in the dark. Like, I have the never met someone who feels like, who has ever, like, felt like they have a good grasp on, like, what like Kobe Alban thinks about anything. And I think if they do, they, I think they're lying to you. I think they're blowing smoke up your ass for their own like thing. I don't think anyone has like an actual, like good understanding of Kobe, but I, I do think they had Boston over barrel in a way that is like, again, like you got Zizich and Sexton and like Crowder. And so I guess you turn Crowder into Clarkson and, and like all that and Nance and whatever. But like, I mean, you probably didn't get enough out of trading someone as good as Kyrie Irving ultimately. Like, especially when you knew the Isaiah thing was going to, like, once you know about the Isaiah medicals, like, it's sort of hard to, like, do that and then still trot him out as if, like, he's going to be your starting point guard. And, lest we forget, there's a lot of talks that Dan, Dan himself wanted to extend Isaiah at the time. Yep. That happened. Um, I remember, just to jump ahead, I remember when they, they introduced Jay and Isaiah, and I think Ante was there, too, but, like, Kobe would yeah. not talk about Isaiah's hip. He just wanted to talk about Isaiah Thomas, Thomas the player, which is you know just basically shoving your fingers in your ears and screaming until people stop. But I, I, I was remember, I was at that press conference and it, it was very like weird to hear, see him not like basically want to talk about that. I was refused because well, I remember I, he like just told the media yeah. he's like guys we're not gonna talk about Isaiah Thomas's hip. Let's and talk then, about like, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, and then the you player. got asked about it anyway, which is good. Which is good. Which is good. Uh, which is good. Good journalism. The people that were there. But the other thing. Evan, I was, like, I remember being, this was another one of those instances where, like, I was in transit for something. I was, like, driving down to visit a friend in Athens. I was still at OU at the time. And I was, like, driving down. And I was, like, mid, I'm, like, 77, like, somewhere in middle Ohio when he called me. He was, like, is Kyrie getting traded to Boston? And I was, like, I, like, pulled over into, like, McDonald's parking lot. It was, like, started, like, working and calling people. Very weird that I was in instances with this stuff. It was really weird because I was kind of starting my Cavs writing. Um, it was with clutch points. So it doesn't really count. Um, I mean, it does, but it doesn't. But at the same time... <laughs> wow, like, shots, shots, shots fired, Evan. Uh, the guy who owns or owned clutch points can eat a dick, and he knows I feel that way. But um, 
at the same time, I remember I was like stunned that the reports came out that Kyrie asked for a trade and then he was traded to Boston. And I think what gives me more pause is like, yeah, you have Colin Sexton as the sole remaining piece. And let's say the Cavs do trade Colin at some point, if the extension talks go sideways, you cannot say with a straight face that either team won this trade because nobody has anything to show for it. Um, well, and remember I Boston say, at the, I think another note here is that Boston at the time was like very openly, like why did the have like get Kyrie and AD? So like, if that was yeah. like their goal, like you should, you should extreme, you should hold it to their, hold their feet to the fire and get as much as you can out of it. I was just like, exactly. well, I, like, I know people get annoyed when like reporters like torch teams and it's especially when it's your team. But like, I think it's very funny when Wendy torches the Cavs. I love it. I frankly love it. Oh, like, Wendy, if Brian Windhorst says something about the Cavs, it's a hundred percent true. Cause Brian Windhorst can get people talking and he has a lot of connections in that organization still. Like, uh, yeah. But, um, I remember like some folks, like I think Varden was still covering the team at that point. Yeah, he was because LeBron was still here. So somebody had to carry water for LeBron. But, um, I remember like the Cavs MO was asking for like Tatum Brown or a first and Boston just gave them a second and the Cavs were like, okay, like the Cavs did go back and ask for more, but they didn't really ask for enough because you knew Isaiah's hip was degenerative and he wasn't able to play and, and this, this um, is where I this is where ugly. I wonder. I we don't really know. I wonder how much Dan was involved in that. I, I suspect a lot. A lot. I think a I lot. I suspect of it. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it was just so weird uh, on that press conference or no uh, on the podcast. You know, he just was like, "Let me talk about Colby Alderman for a second. He went on this tangent and was just ripping him a new one. It was just like Brian Windhorst. What are you doing, man? I, yeah, uh, I it was Brian. Brian well, Windhorst is also, one of the reporters. I love that Brian like, sometimes is like, "We need to talk about the Cavs because, like, like." Because sometimes people like clown. Like I got very annoyed listening to a podcast the other day when they were just like talking about Zion, and they're like, "We don't want Zion in this like in this mad market." I'm like, we, "Why are we talking about this shit?" But I respect that Brian is yeah. just like torching. I just also just think Kobe is very weird, and I just that this, that my official take on the Cavs is that they're weird, and that is my only take really is that they're just like a weird organization that does I'm everything weird. You. That okay, Evan. I'm Thank teasing. You. I'm teasing. Um, I'm going to go do some uh, PR door. I have another question Um, if you guys uh, would would like to answer it. All right. um, So, uh, again, thank you so much. Uh, I was listening to Hollinger and Duncan because I I love basketball. Uh, I shouldn't say that because Nate Duncan, that's technically a lockdown podcast, but... They do. It's pretty good. Um, but they Man. they were they were listening to the uh, they're listing the coaches in order, and they had JB Bakerstaff as their thirtieth out of thirty, I believe. And Ooh. I was so taken aback by that. And they didn't even spend like you know they spent a ton of time on the top five coaches, but then they just kind of threw out the past five, and there wasn't really any explanation of that. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's personally that bad, but maybe I'm just looking at it because I'm a Cavs fan and I, I like watching the team. So uh, what do you guys think about that? And what do you think that they could do, uh, you know, to, to better, like what could he hire some better assistant coaches uh, to kind of spice up the offense a little bit, or uh, what do you think could be done, uh, you know, about that in general? I think the hiring um, assistant to do offensive stuff would be the thing. I don't think he's – I don't think JB is, like, particularly interested in, like, developing, like, a very robust, like, modern offense. Like, I think he wants them to yeah. shoot more threes, but I don't think he's, like – if if your thing is, like, we want to have, like, a really good scheme, I don't think that's what JB is going to do. 
And I think that I do think that puts like a limit on sort of some of the stuff you might um, get out of your coach. I, I, I think 30th is probably unfair. Like I think Luke Walden's worse for one. Um, Definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't think, but I, I also don't think he's like a. I don't. I also just feel like we don't really understand him as a coach because he's had a very weird coaching career and coaching the Cavs in the time that he has has been very weird. Like I, I would just like struggle to actually do any evaluation on him or like in a lot of like frankly like a lot of people, including players, because of what the last like two years have been like. It makes this like very very hard. Um, I don't think he's the worst, but I, I think like he doesn't. They do need to hire like an offensive coordinator type to come in and like, I think help with the offense. Like, I don't think it's like an, I would like Nate Bjorker is a name. Like I know people have like asked, but I don't think that makes sense considering like his burning bridges part of it. Um, I think Lloyd Pierce yeah. would be like, a good addition. I think yeah. like some, someone like even Ty, like Ty had like, you know, their issues with like Longabardi, but like they had people helping him with stuff that were very smart. And like that coaching is, is more collaborative than I, I think than like we, yeah. we talk about publicly. That's why like what I, I agree with Chris wholeheartedly. Um, I think it's unfair. I think I don't want to say Hollinger and Duncan aren't really watching the Cavs, but I'll be honest. Like if I was a national writer or somebody covers basketball nationally, I'll think the Cavs are like the first team I'm going to be watching a league pass on a nightly basis. I think 30th is unfair. Like I think Luke Walton is a bad coach. I thought Lloyd Pierce was in over his head. I, um, Ryan Saunders at the time, I think was a worse coach than JB. Um, there's plenty of coaches you could, there's a couple more that are probably worse. I think JB is in the upper twenties, I'd say at least like defensively. And I think he maximized the potential. Well, Evan, would well. you take, would you, would you say he's better or worse than Steve Clifford? See, that's tough. Cause if you put Steve Clifford in Cleveland, I think you really get a good or spicy Darius Garland or Colin Sexton. Cause Steve Clifford's really good at maximizing point guards and guards. Well, he's also, I also think he's like proven that like, you're going to, if his team's healthy, his teams are going to like. The defensive Indeed. stuff is going to work in a way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it's the super vanilla, but it works. Yeah, like it's regular season stuff, which is like what JB sort of thing is. Like, there, again, there's like three, there's like seven different kinds of coaching. Well, there's like two, there's like regular season stuff where like you need to culture build and, and not be a super big tactician and just like get your team through what's going on. And then there's the other side of it, which is more like what Ty is good at, which is like in, 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 uh, which is being able to call guys out on the carpet when you need to and like and tinker and, and make adjustments. Like those are JB is more of like the Quinn. If JB succeeds at the highest level, it's going to look more like Quinn Snyder and uh, Budenholzer than I think than it is. Mentality. Well, I, I think just in not even just that. I think it's going to the success type is going to be more like Bud and that kind of coach as opposed to like yeah. Ty or like Spolstra. Yeah, exactly. And like Chris also said, it, it's a collaborative effort with the coaching staff. And that's why I said, like, I think the Cavs are really going to, unless they find like a good replacement for her, they're going to miss Lindsay Gottlieb quite a bit because Lindsay was a coach that was kind of paramount to the development of a lot of these younger guys, but also she acted as like the bridge as well for these younger players and some of the older players too, between the coaching staff as well. Like they have a connection, they have the rapport and everything else. And Lindsay was big on a lot of the basketball decisions too. So I think hiring an offensive minded coach would help a lot um i wonder if what is kenny atkinson's technical title with the clippers chris is he the associate head coach uh he's some i don't know if yeah i and some of this is like relationship based that's why i think like lloyd pierce is like kind of like a logical like if someone that jb knows or like that yeah the other thing is like the gottlieb was a very much like i think an altman that's like maybe altman's best hire to be honest 
Yeah, I'd, I'd agree Because like, he went out and sought out like someone that was like outside of their bubble. And I think the Cavs need more of that as an organization. It's, it's I think, their biggest weakness as an organization is that mm-hmm. um, they are not doing that. All right, Evan, let's end on one more question here. So we got Ron Jordan. Would you take Scotty Barnes or Moses Moody? I'm a, I would go Scotty Barnes. Scotty. I'd go Scotty too because he plays defense and him as a well Moody's gonna be a defender. Big, he's gonna be yeah, yeah, he can be a four in a way that like him and Okor was like a three four combo. It was like three four combo with like some spicy playmaking and defense. Like pretty intrigued by that. But Scotty's shot has a very long way to go for the Cavs. All right, here's the lottery sim that I've done here. We're gonna end on this. Andrew, I want you to tell me who you would take in the spot as we wrap up. Okay, Pelicans sure, sounds one, good. Wolves two, Cavs three, Raptors four. Thunder go to five to get the Rockets pick. Pistons six, Magic seven, Thunder at eight. Um, number Ooh. one, would you, would you guys take five and eight for three? It depends who's available at three. If it's no, probably not because I like Jalen Green and Evan Mobley enough. Like, will we? Will we? So you mean will we trade uh, picks five and eight for number three? No, no, you yeah, you get so you give up you give up picking third, but you get picks number you get pick number five and you get pick number eight, so you could take two guys in the lottery instead of one. I think I don't think the Cavs would do that. I think they're going to take one guy and try to get older in some ways. I I think they're staying at three if they get it, and I yeah. think Jalen Jalen Green would be the pick at three. They definitely, I think they would stay at three just because if you're getting a five from what I've read, that's Kaminga. There's no way that you're not going to get Jonathan Kaminga at that spot. And because he's so raw, he needs a lot of time to develop. I don't think the Kobe and the coaching staff have that time to develop him. So I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, But you probably could get Kaminga and maybe Scotty Barnes uh, if he falls that low. Um, But I think... I know I've heard some people might go with Jalen Suggs for number two. So if we could get number three, we probably could go um, and get Evan Mobley. It's really interesting. He's um, uh, Jalen Suggs is number two on the athletics big board. So uh, he seems to be rising. We'll see what we can get. But uh, so you guys would go with green. I think I'd probably go with Mobley if he's available and green if he's not. I'd I'd go with either of them, honestly. I, I have I have a thing with wing, where I would go with wing. I just tend to think wing, and you already have Jared Allen, and like maybe Mobley. Ha- like I, I'm not like again like super a kid. Mobley's playmaking stuff is like very interesting. I just sort of am like looking at the league works, and I'm like, I think you need to take more shots at wings. I think that's yeah, a I mean, assessment, and the Cavs and you have a have a need on the perimeter as well. But I'm, like again, like they have Okoro and like Jetty Green Prince is older, and like Jetty, and like because Windler is a Windler's a kind of that doesn't matter now like i just don't think he's been good enough to like for you to value him so i i think no, he's happy way. if windler's healthy so he can somewhat contribute you can't ex- reliably yeah. expect him to be there on a night-to-night basis which is do you guys think that uh, do you guys think the green is the most natural fit besides Cade? Um, if you believe in the upside of Jalen green yes i do but i there's if two, Suggs, he's, the, the answer is Suggs if, if Suggs is two inches taller <laughs> yeah, yeah. Suggs plays defense. He, Suggs is fascinating. I think if the Cavs didn't have two guards already, I'd be more akin yeah. to that. But I also, or if, or if they were to like sell myself to it, yeah, yeah. They, 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 there's, they should, they can go a bunch of different ways, and we, we don't know. Like, I expect some silly leaks. Okay, let's do a one last thing here to wrap it. Okay, they go to seven at this point. So let's just say Jalen Johnson. The lottery night is going to shape so much of the discourse, um, and that's where we're at. So I'm just going to spin until I get one. Yeah. All these are going to be chaotic. I'm just expecting chaos, frankly. Oh, it's going to be nuts, man. And 
I'm going to be a little anxious, but I'm not trying to dwell on it too much. I'm not going to be, I, I am emotionally detached and I'm going to celebrate my wedding anniversary as a big wife guy and then we'll pot after. Well, congratulations, Chris. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, two years feels like 50. Um, <laughs> pandemic. Set the bar way too high for me and your mom, Chris. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. On that note, Andrew, John, Ryan, thanks for coming by. Uh, we'll do one of these again next week. And again, if, you, if you're yeah. listening on the podcast feed, come join us next time and, and harass Evan. We'll talk to you all soon. Thank you so much. Have a good one.